3: Hello and welcome to What Are The Cobblers, Friday Night Lights, Northampton Town audio show, podcast equivalent of a Nabal Abadala Corner. I'm Tom Reed, and joining me on the cusp of a new season where everything is brand new and hope abounds is Andy Bodfish, Martin Maloney and Ian Brandt. I'm not going to do a long introduction because of the absence of two splitters from the team. Jake Moore is showing his girlfriend his collection of Nathan Abbey posters. And Cuban spy Jefferson Lake is on the Morse code to Raul Castro in Havana, telling him of the wasteland that is Northampton on the verge of lockdown. No change there then, really. How you doing, guys? You alright? Yeah, all right, yeah, yeah. right mate. Yep. Yeah. We've been uh, we've been talking a little bit on the uh, group chat about this funny Keith Cole story. Actually, I don't know if everyone's listeners have seen it. There's a little there's a guy on Twitter and he he just tweeted out of the blue that um, he played against. Keith Cole on Sunday League, and I don't know if the story is true or not, but apparently Keith Cole had down his socks a, a roll-up, roll-up cigarette and a lighter, which has just you know, if anything, it's made me love Keith Cole even more. Keith, Keith, Curl So we we've, we've just been talking, just messing about and stuff, and I'll put it to you, Andy. What cobbler's player do you think is just expanding on this tobacco theme? What cobbler's player do you reckon is most likely to smoke a cigar, past or present? A big fat Cuban cigar, as Alan Partridge would say rolled on the side of a virgin. Or do you
4: <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I, th- I think I may have seen the image, which has prejudiced the whole thing, but it's got to be big old Bayo with a big fat Cuban cigar. It may have happened earlier this summer. But, yes. I mean, just that, that big physique, that massive yeah. grin, and, you know, the, the, the fat King Teddy um, yeah. in between those those gleaming, pearly white teeth. It, you know, it, it it just sets off the image. You know, with a a a, a tight suit. You know, in that rip physique, uh, mansplaining. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the the knees are about half a kilometer apart. It, it the,
3: the the whole image just works for me. I think it does, and I think I've seen photos of him. He goes on holiday every summer, and he goes to places like Las Vegas, Atlanta. He has of course a- he does. He has a good old time. And you can imagine, you know, just at the end of the night, probably about 3 a.m. No, probably later, 6 a.m. He's just on his balcony and he just lights up a big fat Monte Cristo. Big time. Big time. And The the, the bow bow tie would have to be
4: slightly undone, wouldn't it? You know. (laughs) Um, Top two or three buttons. uh, Probably tuxedo jacket off. Shirt still on. Top two or three buttons undone. Bow tie still on. But, um, you know, loosened. It's not fastened at the end of the day. He's he's just just letting it all hang out.
3: A takeaway from Nando's at his side, of course. You know, a bit of chicken. uh, (laughs) Had a Bonny Cristo, you can't actually be it, (laughs) Martin, now, we're going to go through the whole game, eight That's a good word. Of of tobacco products. Now, we're we're struggling already, to be honest with you, after cigar. Obviously, Keith smokes the roll-ups. Martin, what college player, past or present, do you reckon, or manager, brings
1: out a pipe a good well, old-fashioned pipe pipe so you're looking for a thoughtful person the kind yeah. of person who likes time on the ball where yeah. he does something either brilliant or awful
0: yeah
1: so we've got i mean we've got a few we've had a few that have run around i'm not thinking darren harm and all that type at the moment <laughs> but i think you know who had more time on the ball just because they were good and I've got to go back to one of my old favourites. I've had Martin Smith for other things. Marco Gabbiadini. When he had the ball, <laughs> he had time to think about what he was doing. And he'd almost take a he'd take a puff on the imaginary pipe. Perhaps blow smoke bubbles g- before he did the next thing, which would be <laughs> a thing that we shouldn't have seen at our level.
3: <laughs> I can imagine just standing at the back, sticking with his pipe. Just uh, yeah. keeping it going. You've got to keep those pipes going, you know. Let can go out. You've got to just, you've got to keep Keep uh keep puffing on that pipe, but uh, that, that's a good one. I, I rate Marco Gabadini as a pipe smoker. If you're listening, Marco, just let us know if that's true or not. Uh, <laughs> Ian, we are seriously running out of tobacco products now. So there's Keith Carroll with his roll-up, there's Marco Gabadini with his traditional pipe, and Ian, we're going to go with chewing tobacco. <laughs> Ian, have a think about what cobbler's player or manager would have a go on the chewing tobacco.
5: I've had a think, I've had a thought, Um, I've been watching, uh, actually me and and Andy were talking about this, I've been watching the Crocodile Dundee um, films recently, those inspired me. I'm going to go with Dougie (laughs) Hodgson. Okay. On the tobacco, so, you know, fish out of water, down to earth, Aussie, living living it up, as intended, in the big city of Northampton. Yeah. And I think speaking reconnect with his sort of spiritual home, I think he'd go walkabout on the wasteland um behind the east stand. <laughs> walkabout Creek. Yeah, he could take that. Yes. Could, you know, like in Crocodile Dundee, he had um Sue Charlton, the journalist, going on his adventures with him. Yeah. Or maybe um Ian Atkins is like um spiritual, positive thinking lady, he could go on a he could go yes. on a sort of journey with her on that wasteland behind the east stand um, they, maybe, might you know, like, they might see
3: visions they yeah. might see visions after
5: a while yeah, yeah. yeah. we had pygmies last week I don't know if there are any aborigines like like Northampton natives in that in that long grass there around there But <laughs> could, are. Now, are. now and again you know he could set up camp get the chewing tobacco and, and, and just sort of wax lyrical on his thoughts on, on life and stuff
3: was this pre-broken neck or post-broken neck? Because he broke
5: his neck. <laughs> yeah, we actually did that wrestling a crocodile. <laughs> and, and and was Neville involved? Yes, yeah. yeah. he was in that gravel, in you know, the gravel lake behind Sixfields. He was actually in there where that ha- that <laughs> incident happened. That,
3: that, that makes perfect sense. And we've gone from police academy to Crocodile Dundee. So next week is Beverly Hills Cop theme. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, now we're talking. Now yeah that's just that's just a beautiful answer and dougie hodgson who else would be chewing that tobacco so that's a good one like i i i was running out of ideas for tobacco at this point and i'm literally uh clutching at straws here now with a shisha pipe stroke coca pipe for my answer and you know there's only one person at the end of a tough game would Bash out the, the shisha pipe. It takes a lot. I don't know if you've ever smoked a shisha pipe. It's quite complicated to put together. It takes a long time. And the only person, think about it, looking to a picture of the scene, County Ground, Northampton, early 90s. Cobbs have just lost 1 0 to Rochdale. Player manager Phil Chard is in the manager's office, stroke cleaning cupboard. He just moved the mop and back out of the way, rolled out his little carpet. Grass still stuck to his forehead. He brings out his shisha pipe, puts in tobacco, apple flavoured, of course, the best flavour. Lights up and ruminates on whether Ian Gilzean can do a job in the centre of midfield. (laughs) (laughs) If there's ever a man to smoke a shisha pipe post-match, it's Phil Philip Chard, my lord.
4: Chard. That's that's a great comment.
3: I reckon, like smoking and
4: football, is probably well. You know, it's not exactly de rigueur, is it these days? But it probably happens more than you think. I always remember doing diamonds years ago. Gary Butterworth, whenever he had a particularly good game, came out and he always added "fag" before doing the interview. And I mean, Zinedine
3: Zinedine Zidane smokes. Mm. There's quite Um, a few players that used to smoke, didn't? um, Did Arsene Wenger smoke? I don't hide. Well,
4: again, again, there's going to be a theme here, isn't there? Johan Cruyff?
3: You, you yeah, yeah, Cruyff.
4: Um, came back to bite him, probably. Um mm. But, um yeah, I, 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 I did read when Jurgen Klopp was installed at Liverpool.
3: He had a smoking room installed. He, he likes a tap. do doesn't surprise me that the Germans are quite mad on um, cigarettes. You go over there to Germany and there's just still like loads of cigarette machines and stuff like that. Um, and
4: when um, when I worked, again, uh, hideous name drop, but it's once or twice removed. Uh, I worked with a guy in Paris years ago, a kind of wizened half French Portuguese guy who's one of these great guys. Loads of stories, but you had to draw them out of him. And uh, back in my days when I used to enjoy the odd tab, I lived in France. So it was pretty much um, expected of you. Uh, we would go up the smoke and he said he used to work for uh, Canal Plus doing the France internationals. And uh, Michel Platini used to seek Serge out after a game and say, oh, you smoke, um, you know, Marlborough Reds, of course, nothing else <laughs> will do. Um, and yeah, and he was the he was the guy that um, part of the crew that Platini would seek out and they'd have a fag together and then Platini would go off to do the
3: interviews. You know, amazing, really. That's a that's a pretty sc- cool story. Yeah. Jefferson Lake. Yeah, he's on Morse Code to Havana, as we speak. He he sort of um, responded by saying that he'd interviewed Keith Cole. Yes. Back in the uh, playoff, when we played playoff, uh, Mansfield in the playoffs you know, back in the 2000s. And he had to sort of wait, well, Keith Cole had a cheeky fuck after the game. But, you know, <laughs> this this story only just makes him growing in my estimation. If he actually did play football with lighter stuff down his side, that's uh, that's pretty... <laughs> <laughs> pretty impressive well, with,
4: with the, the fag and that pre-season
3: hat he was wearing I'm looking at him in an entirely new, new light right then we're pleased to be joined again by Gabriel Sutton of the Football Lab who's kindly given up his time to come and cobbler's with us You must be excited by the return to action for EFL clubs Gabriel
2: yeah i can't wait tom i uh, hope you're keeping well um yeah just kind of looking forward to the new season hopefully get being able to uh, watch some football myself in whatever form that that takes real shame that a lot of fans won't be able to uh, attend matches um obviously hoping that uh, that some will be able to get in next month so uh yeah just looking forward to the new season really
3: yeah, it's nice it's nice just to start doing the um the rituals that we go through as sort of football fans and football awareness and writers and stuff, but just getting back into the swing of things, just uh, looking forward to the, you know, the next few games. The Phamson are playing Cardiff in the League Cup, so that's going to be quite an interesting sort of introduction to things. Probably a bit of a baptism of fire for our season, but mm. we can talk about that a little bit later. But uh, I just think, you know, as we're talking, we'll have a little look at the new signings for Cobblers, because although... The squad's looking a bit threadbare. Let's face it, for obvious reasons, the COVID, you know, economic constraints. We have actually made a few signings, and we can talk about them now. Um, the first one to discuss, going from back to front, is Jonathan Mitchell, the goalie, who's coming on loan from Derby County. Mm. I, you know, he's one of these sort of unknown quantities, a, a player that's. And yeah, no, i
2: fairly experienced and h- had a few lone moves. Do you know, have you heard much about him? The one thing that I've heard about Jonathan Mitchell, uh, I won't be able to give you loads of uh, sort of stylistic insight on him, but what I have heard is that he's uh, been a bit unlucky not to challenge for a first-team place at Derby because of injuries. That's probably been the one thing that's held him back. And, and the Rams have had some issues in that department. They um, they had uh, Keller Roos last season, and um, I think they had another goalkeeper as well who struggled a little bit. So they've certainly had issues in that department uh, after Scott Carson went to Man City so yeah so, so he's kind of been a bit unlucky in that sense not to push for a first team place so you'd hope that um, if he isn't going to start the season as number one you've obviously got Steve Arnold who um, I think he was back up to Dai Cornell last season wasn't he Arnold so uh, you would think that Mitchell would be uh, would be good competition for him and, and has the potential to, to take his place Sure and it's important to give Keith Carr
3: the, the credit of being able to sort of find players that are Going under the radar, we only have to look at Callum Morton for mm. that. And, you know, fantastic signing. Um my the only slight downside I would or potential downside with Mitchell is is his an experience. And I'm still looking at this Cobra squad as you know looking fairly talented, but just you know, with that inexperience and especially going up to League One, there's a big, big me- mental element. So we'll Jonathan Mitchell's inexperienced show at times. He he had various loan moves to Luton, Oxford, Shrewsbury. I think it was lastly at Macclesfield, um, just mm. like uh, Fraser Horsfall. So going from Macclesfield, with all due respect to League One, it's going to be a uh, another sort of step up in class. So we'll see how he gets on. Um, also, is it ideal, you know, this stage of the season where we don't really know our number one choice because. Jonathan Mitchell might start the Cardiff, but it could easily be Steve Arnold. So really, don't you think in this, going into the season, you need really want a, a goalkeeper who's nailed down to start and who you can base your team around?
2: Yeah, possibly. I mean, I think there's um, there's kind of two schools of thought when it comes to goalkeepers. There's uh, there's one school which is uh, you want as much competition as possible, so that uh, if a goalkeeper makes a mistake, then they know that they've got strong competition that could take place, so they're constantly fighting for first-team football and constantly striving to improve. I think there's valid in that school of thought. The other way of looking at it as well is that sometimes goalkeepers would do better from a manager saying, don't worry, you're my man. And uh, actually, I mean, I've we mentioned Dye Cornell, who's gone to Ipswich, and um, Paul Lambert, who's their manager there, um, tended to rotate a lot between the goalkeepers they had. I think it was a lad called Will Norris and uh, Thomas Holy. And yeah. that got a lot of criticism from Ipswich fans because they felt that goalkeepers would perform better if, um, if the manager said to them, don't worry if you make a mistake, you're my man, um, you'll be playing regardless and um and that that sense of security so there's less kind of pressure so and i think because the goalkeeping position it's not like an outfield area where you require hard work in the sense of constantly running after things you kind of it's more about concentration so it's kind of interesting to think about what sort of motivation does a goalkeeper need do you need the competition or do you need um Actually, a little bit more of an assurance from manager, and I think it's probably going to depend on on the character of the goalkeeper and, and what makes him tick. Sure, and if you look at Mitchell's CV as well, he he's played one game for England under under
3: 21, so he's been on the um, the radar of the England setup, which. You know, it's it's kudos to him, um, hmm. and you know he's played uh, at Derby County. He's, he's on the books of a high level club, so potentially he should be a good player. The only other downside I will say is potentially is his his height. I think he's five foot eleven, pushing six foot. So, uh I've, you know, I've never been a particularly a f- f- fan of goalies that aren't really you know
2: reaching six foot. But we'll, we'll see. Well, well, and you say that, I mean, I'm a Birmingham fan, and uh, we like yeah called Ian Bennett who I think um, if I yeah. can mention the name Peterborough uh, we got yeah. him from Peterborough um, in like the sort of mid to early 90s and he actually yeah. um, played in our League Cup um, final against Liverpool where we lost on penalties and um, yeah. he, I think he stayed with us until the mid-noughties so he was probably one of our longest serving players and, um, and he wasn't the biggest so sometimes no, you can get good goalkeepers who, who aren't necessarily that tall yeah, of course. I'm just looking for sort of indicators. We don't know a lot about
3: this guy at the moment. We'll we'll soon see on Saturday who's going to start. And I think it might be an indicator as to where Keith Cole's uh, thinking is. Arnold made a couple of mistakes in the previous friendly, so he he might be sort of out of favour. But you know, I guess we'll see. Um. Then, if we move slightly forward, Joseph Mills came in from Forest Green, and I'm talking about Mitchell being perhaps an unknown quantity. I think Joseph Mills is fairly you know, well-established and considered
2: to be a, a good signing, don't you think? A good, solid signing, versatile player. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Nicky Adams was the first choice left wing-back last season. Um, in yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was would have been very much an attacking option because he's, um, I mean, he, he actually, there was an interview with uh, with Nicky Adams um, based on his time at Bury about the transition from being like a winger or, you know, a creative wide player most of his career to being a wing back, And, and he was quite honest about the fact that um, it hasn't been much of a transition because Ryan Lowe, who's the Berry manager at the time, didn't really ask him to track back much. So... Um, I think for Northampton, who not only play a more direct style, but are also now in League One, where you'd be one of the sides um, expecting to battle against relegation rather than compete for promotion last season, you're probably going to need someone that's kind of um, got a bit more prepared to dig in and do the defensive side of the game. And I think with yeah, yeah. Joseph Mills, who's played at left-back before in his career, that's kind of where he is by trade. Um, that makes sense. He's an intelligent operator as well, probably won't fit one of the best left-backs or left-wing-backs in League Two over the last um, couple of seasons. So I think from that point of view, it's a signing that makes a lot of sense. And he's someone who I'd expect to... um, He's not a rampaging runner necessarily, but he will sort of support play well from behind. And and I think we saw in the first half against Luton that he can sometimes get into the box for the odd shot as well. So he'll offer you something going forward, even if he's not that quick.
3: I I agree that, Carl... Is likely cute to the, the fact that we're not going to have things our own way as much as we did in League Two this season. There's going to be fairly long periods where we're going to face uh, balls in behind the wing backs, and the wing backs are going to have to do their defensive job. So I can see why Mills is brought, being brought in for that bit more of a balance. it would be interesting to see where Nick Adams actually ends up when he returns from mm-hmm. injury. If he's going to go, go more of a central role, a bit like Hoskins has been in sort of pre season, or you know, maybe your alternative as a right wing back. But um, yeah, just an interesting one to see. A player of Joseph Mills' sort of stature, a bit in a League Two um, scenario, being brought in, in the same position as Adams. But we'll see. Um, I note that Joseph Mills comes from a really good footballing family as well. He's brother of Matt Mills. And I think at one point, I think all his brothers were on the books of professional clubs. So that, uh, that stands him in good stead. And I guess the question is, if Joseph Mills was used to play in a more possession style for Forest Green do you necessarily think he's going to fit into Keith Cole's play or, or or do you reckon Keith Cole might adapt it this season a little bit
2: um, I don't. I don't see Keith Curl adapting. I think he's been a, a direct manager throughout his career. It's what got you promoted from this level. I think um, I don't expect him to get. So I think when you're distributing from the goalkeeper, I don't expect him to get have loads of the ball um, in your own half in the early stages of the build-up play. But I think once you go long to Harry Smith. Um, if he wins that initial ball, then I would put Mills among the players that could uh, contribute something in the build-up play. Because I think we talk about Northampton as being a very direct side, and you've talked about that uh, on numerous occasions, and I think that's right. But I think that once the actual the initial ball goes into the target man, then I think things can flow a little bit more, uh, would be my perception. And I think that's, it's in that sort of phase of play where I could see uh, Mills coming in handy, because I do think he's a really intelligent player. I can't disagree with much of that, and
3: he just seems like a, a solid sign-in. And if his name came up on the list of available players or players that we were able to sign, I can imagine why Keith Kerr went straight for him. So he's a, he looks like a, a big tick in his box. Um, Fraser Horsfall is the next next one. Uh, a centre-back came in from Macclesfield. He's a bit more of an unknown quantity in that we were actually talking about Macclesfield defenders, weren't we? And you were actually recommending we signed uh, another
2: fellow, weren't you? Uh, what was he called again? Uh, Fiaka Kelleher, yeah, uh, he would have been the signing that I would have probably recommended above Fraser Horsfall. I mean, I, I've i yeah. not watched, I wouldn't say Mackels, um I've not seen Macclesfield live uh, last season, but from the reports that I've had, I've kind of, um, I've had, I've seen more glowing reports of Kelleher and what he can do, I think on the left of their defence, um, than I have Fraser Horsfall. And that's not to say that Horsfall might, won't, go on to be a really good signing for yourselves and I think the fact that he's he's used to playing in a side that's battling against relegation and kind of um, I suppose apart from the points deduction they succeeded against the odds in terms of the results the team got on the field even though circumstances off the field meant they unfortunately no longer a football league club but the players on the field did the job and I think he's used to kind of uh, being part of a side that's battling, that's under the cosh a lot of the time, so I suppose from that point of view, um, it's uh, it's handy signing. Um, I yeah, personally, I'm more I would have leaned towards Kelleher if it was a choice between the two, but um, we'll see what horseful can offer. True, again, we have to give
3: give Kyle the benefit of the doubt because he's obviously got some scouting mouse with his uh, his acquisitions, he's points into Northampton. Previously, and um, Horsfield might be one of these sort co- of quiet players that are just sort of quietly underrated, and uh, with a bit of progression in them. He's only, I think, he's twenty-three. He's a good age. If you look mm. at his stats, he's, he's good in the air, good, good at winning headers, so that's always useful. And um, the statistics, actually, I, I recommend following a site called NTFC Analytics, who seem to be bringing out some quite interesting sort of analysis. Uh, the NTFC and, uh, Analytics site have looked at his um, Fraser Horsfield's stats in terms of bringing out the ball and he doesn't actually bring the ball out as much as good or Wharton so it looks like he's more of a replacement for Jordan Turnbull if he goes sort of like to like um, but you know the thing is that again it's a big step up isn't it from Macclesfield who ended up in the you know non-league for the good or bad um, to to league one in a, in a, in a, in a squad that's Been brought together rather hastily. Could there's a potential there for a a bedding in period, which could leave us starting quite slowly, perhaps?
2: Yeah, possibly. I think it's going to be uh, a big adjustment, but um, I think again, it's it's only uh, technically only one division, um, but I suppose it's from a team that was battling against relegation. um, Yeah rather than one that's challenging for promotion as, as Northampton were. So, um, yeah, and a little bit of an adjustment, but maybe not as much of a jump as someone like uh, Ricky Corboa, who we may come on to in a bit, that's come from like the uh, seventh or eighth tier with, uh, with um, I think it's the eighth tier with Car Shelton So that's going to be much more of a, of a jump up, but certainly it will be a, a step up for Horsefall and we'll be interested to see how he gets on. Exactly. And then
3: we've been talking... In terms of one signing who's experienced and then one signing who's not, we go to uh, Kian Bolger, who has come in from Lincoln, who it just seems like a sturdy Eddie signing, who's really going to be one to rely on, don't you think?
2: Yeah, definitely. I think he was part of the South End side that won promotion from League Two in twenty fifteen. Um, might have been I can't remember whether he was part of Lincoln City's League Two title win or whether I think he might have been unless they signed him the summer afterwards. But I think he was part of their title winning season that year. So he's one who's won promotion a couple of times um from League Two. Maybe he hasn't quite built on that um in League One, but I think um speaking to um gary hutchinson who's a lincoln fan i think one of the key things about him is that um the reason lincoln aren't keeping hold of him is because um they're going to play a lot of possession-based stuff under michael appleton next season and as much as he's a really good kind of no-nonsense center back he'll do the basics he'll be good in the air he'll be aggressive um he probably doesn't suit their style but i think in a keith kerl style that isn't going to want as much of the ball going to be fairly direct going long to smith as i've mentioned um play for set pieces as well seems like the kind of blueprint so you know managers like phil brown and and danny cowley he's kind of suited what they're they're after so i suppose from that point of view you put keith Curl stylistically in a similar category so hopefully it's a good fit for you yeah, he
3: reminds me in a way maybe of a signing a bit like a Zander Diamond. He's gonna do the nuts and bolts really proficiently, uh quietly, and sort of hold everything together. I guess I guess we look to the next signing and you know, is it a good idea to be signing a new back three just ahead of a new season? You know, it's sort of questionable. But um Luka Ratchic from Brentford, you were quite actually quite surprised that he came in, weren't you? Because not because, you know, he's unware of the phantom, but you'd heard really good stuff about him from Brentford and perhaps thought he might have gone to a maybe slightly higher
2: club. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just touching on the fact that it's a new back three, I think you would have to mitigate that by saying there's no way the club would have rejected the money that was reportedly on offer for Charlie Good. No, uh, Scott Wharton was only on loan and yeah. Turnbull probably got bigger offer from Salford, who have massive external investment. So I think this was out of necessity rather than choice but in terms of Ratic I think that's a great signing Um, I've seen reviews from Brentford fans who are pretty glowing they're tipping um an international career for the Dane which is really exciting um obviously you know Brentford had um one of the best defences in the EFL last season so he probably would have been tough for him to get into their side ahead of like an Ethan Pinnock or a Pontus Janssen um but I think for um for League One, I think it's a really good signing. He's supposed to be pretty composed on the ball as well as being able to do the basics of defending. So, you know, hopefully if if um, there's stages of the game where you don't want to go direct all the time, you want someone who can maybe look after the ball a little bit more, Ratich, I'd imagine, would be that go-to defender. So, um, a really exciting signing all round, I'd say. Yeah, he's a product of the FC Copenhagen Academy, which is pretty significant.
3: They don't produce many mm-hmm. terrible players. And he's played for Denmark from under sixteens right through to the twenty ones. So the the international under under Cena, keeping a close eye on him. So that that's a, a feather in his cap. So he's obviously held in some regard in, in Denmark. We Northampton haven't had many sort of internationals so it's it just shows that keith carl is looking for just for that extra level of quality Mm -hmm. in the side um he's he's a versatile player and he can play on the right or left of a three or you know in the middle as well so that might that might be useful you know the only perhaps potential negative you know we've got to be fairly balanced in our analysis here is again in the experience not necessarily he's played at a high level but just inexperience in, in playing games week in, week out. And if uh, the back three don't gel as a unit, perhaps you know, the other two aren't particularly perhaps at the same level as Rajic and in their uh, yeah, ability. Will that back three get pulled out of possession, particularly if uh, Cobbs are forced to
2: defend a lot? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I think if you're getting, I think Luka Racic uh, with his talent supposedly and experience, I think... Um, you wouldn't be able to get in the first place. So I think you've got to accept um, yep. a bit of experience because you're not going to get um, absolutely everything you're after from a defender. Um, and I think with someone in K- uh, Kian Bolger who's um, got that experience, um, I don't think that's that's a bad mix. Uh, and I, I would say that centre-back is probably one of your stronger areas. We, we go from Rakic to um,
3: Denmark International, perhaps experience to an extent. We go to someone who... It's a bit of a wild card signing and totally inexperienced in league football, full stop. Ricky Corboa, who mm. was a trialist, now signed full time for Northampton, described as a kid in a sweet shop, uh, <laughs> signing his first contract in League World, which is it, it's great in a way that we're signing and taking chances on players because Cobblers fans have been saying for a long time, why don't we do what Peterbury do and sign some unpolished gems? And Corboa came in from uh, Kershawton. You probably haven't seen much of him, but he's, uh, he's 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 tricky and he just offers a little extra dimension that maybe all, all league clubs need.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think there's uh, there's certainly something to be said for recruiting uh, from non-league if the talent's really there, but I I think equally you would say there's players like uh, Morgan Ferrier and and Andy Cook who have been brilliant in the National League and and maybe haven't quite made the step up to League One as they would have liked, so I think you've got to kind of temper that a little bit and... um, is coming from Car Shelton who um, missed out on promotion from I think it was the eighth tier of English football so um, it is a massive step up so I think there is an element of realism that's needed from that point of view and I think uh, I hope that Keith Curl kind of gives him a free hit this season and just says, do you know what, there's no pressure on you to do anything this year. Just go out and do your stuff and then we'll see where we are um, in 12 months time. I'm not quite sure what the contract length is, but I think that should be the general, um, the general feeling. Um, it sounds like from what you've said as well, um, he's going to be very quick. And uh, I know I saw the, the Car Charlton account said uh, he'll leave defenders on their backsides. Um, so I think from that point of view, he's someone who's going to be a bit, of a bit of an unpredictable one. You don't quite know what you're going to get. He's going to try and uh, outskill defenders. Whether that's going to work at this level, we don't know, but it's going to be exciting to see him try whether it's successful or not. So I think he'll bring a bit of excitement to the table whether he'll be, uh, bring productivity. That's the big question.
3: Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. I guess the obvious contrast is is Matt Warburton, who was brought in, you know, maybe from a slightly higher level and came with, you know, rape reviews, especially about his finishing and his dynamism and stuff like that. And, you know, hasn't as yet made it in Northampton. So that if I was really by going into the dressing room, I would look at Warburton and say, right, I need to, I really need to, wet my backside off here because um the the, the pitfalls of signing that that jumper are quite clear um what i liked about Coburn of the little i've seen about him is is his dynamism and he reminds me to an extent you know minus 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 As someone like a yannick belasi who can just provide that um change of weight and can bring defenders out of Position and just just that unknown quantity which mm-hmm. Cobblers are going to need because I just think we've got a quite a pedestrian squad. And um, Keith Cole's style of play, Cobblers in inverted commas last season, really relied on dynamism, keeping the ball pushing forward and constantly just being at it. And I'm just concerned this season whether we've got the players to keep that ball going forward. And at least Cobblers should be able to do that. Yeah, so Joe Nuttall came in from Blackpool on loan and that was a big fan fail. And so it's about who we're going to sign. And when he was announced, you know, the reaction was fairly muted from Cobblers fans because it was like, a, oh, yeah, we don't know much about this guy. Mm. But when you look into Joe Nuttall, who came in from Blackpool, it looks to me like another player that, in the mould of Dane Oliver that Carl sees Caesar's underperforming and can get some improvement out of. And that is Carl's sort of key consideration in signing players now the only problem with that is if you keep trying to find unpolished gems eventually I think you might you might sign the odd dud and I'm not saying that Nuttall's going to be a dud it's just concerns me that we get we're trying to just sort of uh, find players that other teams aren't getting the best out of and eventually you might come unstuck I'm not sure
2: what you know about Joe Nuttall and his, his sort of attributes um, I don't know. I mean, I think for he played a part in um, in Blackburn's uh, promotion season from this level in seventeen eighteen, albeit as a kind of um, a fringe option, he was behind some pretty established strikers at the time. But you um, got a, a fair amount of minutes, I think, for um, for Blackpool last season. I think he certainly started um, the game. I saw them at uh, Coventry last year. I'm not sure exactly how much uh, he played, but. Uh, um, But yeah, so I think from that point of view, he's someone who's got a bit of grounding at this level. Um, I think he's... um from the couple of games I've seen of him, he's going to be very energetic. Someone who can give you an outlet on the counter-attack, which I think will be important because uh, Harry Smith isn't going to ha- give you much pace. Um, I think he's going to, you know, hassle defenders. So so basically give you a similar option to Callum Morton. And and of course, when Morton signed, um, he had barely featured. Um, well, I don't think he had featured in in senior football. So um, I think with Natalie, someone who's got that little bit of experience as well. Um, I think that's an exciting sign. I mean, I think your point is correct about Corbella in the sense that we don't know. It's very he's very much an unknown quantity. But I think with Nuttall, you know, he's been for you know reason been part of reasonable league one side.
3: Of course, and these fringe players, you know, perhaps have a have a mental age that they want to prove themselves and get them back in get get back firing and get them back into the you know the headlines and stuff and not just be sort of an also run at a bat ball. So he could he could come good and it wouldn't surprise me if he does. But um yeah, not, not perhaps the sort of name signing that Cobbers fans were hoping for. But that sort of leads us on to sort a of player we haven't signed and I need I just need to point out that we're talking about this before um, Friday, before the, the, the first game of the season. So it wouldn't surprise me if a couple of players come in, but David Nugent has been mentioned, and actually, he's mentioned himself that he's actually been talking to Keith Cole. Now he's 35, played for England once. I think he's one of the few players who scored played for England once and scored one goal, and that was
2: it. But against Andorra or something, wasn't it? Yeah,
3: Andorra. But but obviously played
2: played at a high level, got a good pedigree. Would you say he would be a good signing for Northampton? Age of 35. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I would be, if it went through, I would actually be a little bit uh, surprised because I think he's got a very good pedigrees. degrees, won promotion from the championship before with um, uh, Leicester City, with Middlesbrough and uh, maybe one or two other clubs. So I think from that point of view, it would be uh, a good signing. I think he's got a lot of experience. I think his hold up play is good. And, and even like it was only in the as recently as the 1718 season where he was kind of the main starter for Derby. The chairman, Kevin Thomas, said that we're looking to bring in four 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 new strikers. So we've got
3: two in at the moment. So there might be two to come in at some point in the next next week or so. So if Nugent comes in, it just seems to me like a, a fairly sensible signing and bringing that experience and level-headedness and, and composure that the squad is perhaps perhaps missing. So I guess that leads on to our first game of the season proper in terms of maybe not the league game. We're playing a League Cup game against... Cardiff City on Saturday. For me, a bit of an unknown quantity since we used to play them back in the 90s. So we were in the same league. They've gone on to bigger and better things. Do you know much about Cardiff and what threat they'll offer Northampton on Saturday?
2: Yeah, I think the one thing that you know about Cardiff is they're going to be very direct. They had a manager in in Neil Warnock who who got them to the Premier League by employing very direct methods with an experienced physical squad. Warnock since left after relegation and been replaced by Neil Harris, who's got a similar sort of philosophy, although he's kind of maybe going to slightly try to trim the the average age of the squad there down but um yeah you're looking at um they've signed uh, Kiefer moore who you may be familiar with from the lower leagues he's very much a kind of mobile target man so i'm really excited to see how he gets on in the championship and i think um if he does play i think he could cause you a lot um a lot of problems because not only does he score goals he brings a lot to the all-round uh team i suppose so um, they've got some good wide players as well, uh, Mendes Lang, might be uh, ex-Posh if I can mention mention them. So, um, so yes, yeah, so, and then I think defensively they've got um, a very strong centre-back pairing in Sean Morrison and Curtis Nelson, um, which is kind of, I think with Curtis Nelson, who also played for Oxford, um, not long ago. Uh, he's brought, give them a lot of uh, mobility, which complements Morrison in comparison with um, the likes of Sol Bamba and Aidan Flint, who experienced championship defenders. But I think their man Morrison together meant Cardiff didn't have much pace at the back, which was a big problem for their defensive record um, earlier on in the championship season. But since Nelson's come in, they've looked a lot more uh, steady. They've got Will Volks in midfield, um very sort of dynamic midfielder got a good long throw on him so yeah they'll be a very direct side they'll play for set pieces um and i would expect them to go strong in the championship next season so they're going to be a real test for the cobblers and it's going to be um interesting to see how that one plays out i agree and looking at their squad there's
3: it's it's packed with experience which perhaps contrasts to the northampton side and i just be interesting to see when things get sort of down and day and cobbler's players need to stand up and be counted w- w- how our mental sort of edges this season, that'll be it for me. Maybe not. And, you know, in terms of quality, they're bound to have a better, better side than us, better squad than us, but it's just that, 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 that fighting spirit we had last season, the mental edge, that's where I, I'd like to see us, uh, going for the full 90 minutes to give us that, um, confidence going into the league game. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's a one we're not expected to win just through this, right. uh, financial power and you know, the experience of their side but it's we've done well in the league cup before so stranger things have happened and we'll we'll um i guess we can talk we'll talk again after the first couple of games and we can sort of take stock and you'll be watching keeping tracks of a, lot of a lot of other clubs especially in league one so you can give us a bit more analysis but you
2: know for now thanks for talking to me and we'll speak again soon yeah that's my pleasure tom um yeah great to chat and i'm sure we'll catch up again soon
3: so yeah let's move on to um A subject close to all our hearts. Most forgettable Cobblers players. Now, we were talking between ourselves about a guy called Darren Stamp, who uh, Jake talks about. And I just could not remember this guy. And I just looked him up on Wikipedia and it just turned out that he played for Cobblers back in the 2000s. Had a couple of games and um, didn't score many goals. But then he went to Chester and scored 20 goals for Chester. And he partnered up with Daryl Clare, another ex-Cobblers player. I think he scored about 20 and I think they scored 50 between themselves so they went on to like you know, quite a good season after Cobblers, but still for me Darren Stamper totally forgettable cobbler's player now we've all seen quite a few cobbler's games between us and we're just, I'm looking for those players that you just literally scratch your head out listening back to and they just sort of leave you with just <laughs> at a loss now Adi you've watched quite a lot of cobbler's games and Back in the day, especially, you must have a few nondescript sort of unusual confidence players that everyone's forgotten about.
4: Again, um, it is it is a memory, but it's not of necessarily sort of watching him play. I mean, again, from the early days of you know, going down the county ground, there was a lad who um, was, was on loan. I think Graham Reid was injured and this lad played. He came in uh, <laughs> against Bristol Rovers because I looked at it because there was something about the match. Because Nigel Martin played in that match and um, he saved a penalty from Dave Gilbert. And Dave Gilbert came in and you know, followed it up. It was 87 88. And it was a lad called Chris O'Donnell who played 45 minutes. And um, basically, when the Ali Dia thing happened in the mid 90s, I remember having this kind of light bulb. Oh, someone like that happened. You know, someone like that um, appeared at the cobblers and blink and you missed him and he was gone. And I do vaguely remember, well, I do remember um, Graham Carr being in the local papers saying the guy was a disgrace, basically. So he'd seen enough after like, I don't know, 35 minutes, Um, hauled him off at half time, And that was that. And he was packed off um, to whence he came. He then um, went to Leeds, I think. It came from Switch, I think. I may be wrong on that. Um, but, yeah, just a random fleeting, in you come. I mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily like to get on the wrong side of growing a car, to be honest. No. I, I, I'd, I'd love to have been a fly on the wall um, when the convo- – well, it probably wasn't even a conversation, was it? It's just like, just get dressed and go.
3: Chris O'Donnell is a, is a, is a, is a really good one because, literally, I just think of him – it's a, a film star name, isn't it? was he in Batman? Yeah, he went
4: on to play Robin in, uh, <laughs> in Batman and Robin alongside George
5: Clooney and Arnold Schwarzenegger. So, you know, he did all right. Graham Carr probably did him a favour. I can imagine, like, Graham Carr driving to the Warner Brothers' Batlog batlock to do a deal with Joel <laughs> Silver, can't you? <laughs> you? Yes, I can. In a few years' time, you'll be interviewing him and he'll be talking about, oh, yeah, I remember that. We drove past the Hollywood sign and um yeah. was. I was going to go to 20th Century Fox and um, be in Beverly Hills Cop 3, but no, in the end, (laughs) Warner Brothers came in at the last minute and I linked it really well with Alicia Silverstone and George Clooney. So I think Graham did the right deal for me. Uh,
3: We'll go with you next, Martin. You've seen a lot of Cobbers games and you've seen a hell of a lot of players that just don't ever really make it or for whatever reason don't catch the headlines. Name a few uh, forgettable
1: Cobbers players, Martin. Well, to, to be fair, Tom, you're right, and not all of him memorable. Yep. so I, I kind of I've been kicking this one around thinking that there's so many you forget. <clears throat> I think Chris O'Donnell, great shout, but normally I agree with Andy on like 99% of stuff, but everyone seems to remember Chris O'Donnell for that, that performance and getting subbed. He's legendary. But I think in the same season or the season after there was a lad called Gary Cobb, came on loan from Luton, played half a game, I think, at Fulham, hauled off at halftime, not seen again, but didn't get the opprobrium that O'Donnell had got for getting skinned kind of twice as we as we got behind. But I was thinking, you want people done a bit more than that, but you're still, oh, yeah, him. So as we went into one financial crisis, I remember the last player that we paid money for was a centre-half from Wigan called Charlie Bishop. Oh, yeah. k. They weren't very good, <laughs> and yeah. ended up going on free after about season half. And it's just like I remember signing someone thinking, oh, he's come from maybe a division above, and we paid money. He'd quite good, and he he wasn't very, but yeah, not out, so outrageously bad that you're thinking, oh god, that guy. It was just someone sort of blended into the background of general. Oh, we're a bit crap.
3: Yeah. I vaguely remember his name, but I couldn't yeah. tell you how we played, what he looked like, anything no. like that. So that's a that's a good shout. All of those names, yeah, literally giving me nothing. I can barely remember them, even though I was there at the time. So yeah, they're they're good ones. Ian, this is a good, difficult concept because basically the, we're asking you to remember the players <laughs> you've got. Them.
1: You can't remember.
3: <laughs> yes, yeah, so you've got to go through a time warp walk, walk and then come back through into the world of the labdala. So you got Ian.
5: Right now, my ones. I've got my first one that spanked a moment. I always pull it out the bag when me and my mate we always do a thing where we like um, describe someone's career, who they played for, and then like the season they played for us, and we have to guess who they were like, on long away trips. And the one I always stump, I used to stump him on was um, Tony Witter. Remember him? He played. Yeah, he played,
3: basically. He, basically. He, he had a good
5: career. He had a good career. He he, he made a name for himself at Millwall. I think it was the season Atkins got sacked when everything was going wrong for him. And everyone people yeah. he bought in kept getting injured. And I think Witter got injured after four games. I remember I think that was the year when we, we seemed to play Fulham just every week. I think we got him in both yeah. Cups. Yeah. And yeah, I used to be at Craven Cottage all the time. It's ridiculous. And I remember going there and um yeah, he, he played. And I remember after the game, I think Atkins has said, you know, he's He's come in. He's done a really good job for us. He's worked really hard. He's worked harder than some of these other lot. Like, and now he's got injured. So I'm really, I'm really gutted for him. And I don't think he played for us again. So yeah, that's, that's one. Speaking of players that are played for us, that um, perhaps like were well known, but people forget they actually ever played for us. Um, Jason Lee, he came in, didn't he, for a few games? Um, he did the end of his career and another striker uh, trevor benjamin he was another one wasn't he i think people forget he um he played first but i think it's around that time coldwood was looking for big sort of target men who could hold the ball up and um he yeah. bought both of them in
3: benjamin had signed for a million pounds for leicester at some point so yeah he, he had a really good, good career sure. probably good time to read out some of the ones we've been tweeted in by listeners and readers on the twitter um john taylor at baby birds treated us, and you can you can you can let me know if you know any of these players. Robbie Curtis, it's a good one. Remember him? Some blast from the past.
1: Yes. And a guy called I, Ben I Sedgmore as well. Pardon? I remember him. Saying, there was a, a but we signed whatever season that was in the early night. It wasn't a good one. Might yeah. have been around the time of Dean Trott, I think. <laughs> That that says
3: it all. So they're sort of two early '90s ones. Uh, Mark Draper Mark, at Mark B. Draper. There's Les Phillips. He was supposed to be a replacement for Stuart Bevan, but other than him running around to no noticeable effect, I can't remember a single moment of his time with us. So that's sort Jeez, of pretty. Les bad Phillips. Thing. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Was yeah. it wasn't he a slightly loose
3: actor? So yeah, Les Phillips, a slightly loose actor, played for us. It sounds like in the early '90s. Then there's uh, Abu Nabadala, the um, famous or uh, infamous guy. I think on his Wikipedia page he was arrested for. um burglary later on in on his career, but don't. <laughs> I always get the newborn for a career. Raymond van Dulleman. a good. I think he was a Dutch striker back in the early '90s, or I think it was back in the Anakins days, but didn't really make an impact at all. Mm. So he's uh, he's another good one. Uh, this is sort of back in the early 90s again greg campbell and christian mclean yeah oh,
1: or christian mclean he had he had one game we beat halifax four nil at home and he was out of this world as a target man but didn't do yep. what else and he's now if you google his name or go into youtube he's a, a fire brigade union rep in london because i think they had some, <laughs> some strike a few years ago and you'll see him talk just as a union rep would and it is the same guy
3: uh no that is we need to get him on the podcasts because he just sounds like he's had a very interesting life
1: yes definitely definitely
3: he's got a quite a unique name so i can
1: understand how well, I, I, i'm sure the cron headline it was a bank holiday game so it might be on a tuesday or something the, the headline on tuesday and yeah. it was like you could have written it before and it was onward christian soldiers and it was just, oh, yes <laughs> love it <laughs> but i think crystal robes (laughs) hadn't rated him there he was replaced with devon white when devon white had gone up to qpr but yeah for one one game at least at the county ground we spanked halifax it was like yes this guy is the real deal
3: (laughs) so yeah he's uh you know slightly memorable but didn't play many games um guy called daniel drage at dan drage he tweeted us a really good one actually Uh, A guy who had a fairly nondescript playing career, but went on to, you know, he's managing Brighton now, Graham Potter. He played a couple of games for Cobblers back in, I think it was Ian Atkins' days. And uh, Danny Drage treated us. Every time I see Graham Potter interviewed, I think about those two two or three loan games, one at Fulham where he barely had a touch. Ian was probably in the audience. Also, you need a cult hero section talking about Maurice Scott. Absolute enigma. Yeah. Yeah. 293. Yeah, so Graham Potter, you know, he went on to manage Ostershunds. Ryan Gilligan played for uh, Ostershunds under Graham Potter. And now he's the um, manager of Brighton. So that's pretty amazing. Does anyone remember Graham Potter playing for us?
1: Uh, Yeah, he was ginger, played as a right wing-back, I think. He's certainly seen the far side. The, The picture I've got on a Tuesday night game is him over the far side. But I do think Potter always... Basically, is there a lower league club... That's got more ex players managing in the Premier League, because we've got three.
3: Okay, so we've got Chris Wilder. Yep. Graham Potter.
1: And know. John Dyche. Yeah.
3: That's pretty cool. I isn't don't
1: I? reckon Doubt. anyone outside the Premier uh, even in the Premier League. I don't know if anyone's got as many as that.
3: <laughs> that's a good little bit of trivia there. We'll have to we'll have to uh, check that one out. Um Shane Webster tweeted us, I'm not having this one because Glenville Donegal you can't forget that name, can you? Just amazing. Oh. Glenville Donegal.
4: I, Martin, Ian, I, you were watching it around the same time. Glenville Donegal had an absolute stormer against, I think, Walsall on like a New Year's Day. Yes. 1988, something like that. New Year's Day, 88. Yeah. And I remember him oh, back to goal, took the ball on his chest, turned, slammed in an equaliser. I think we were like 2-0 down or something.
0: And Glenville Donegal me,
4: just... Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
5: exactly. And now I, I don't think he did anything else ever again. I, I remember watching the FA Cup highlights on, on you know, like the late night early rounds of the FA Cup when the non-league clubs were in. And I remember him scoring from Aylesbury. And I remember seeing that. So that's what yep. happened to him.
4: It's a great shout, Aylesbury. Because Graham Reid ended up there as well, didn't he? Graham Reid played for Aylesbury as well for a bit, I think.
1: And Darren Collins went there too. The seemed to be with Trevor Gould was managing there and, they see, they spent a bit of money on Cobblers players, which a non-league side probably shouldn't have done down at their level. But they were good. we played them in the Cup and Donegal played against us in about 91.
4: Yeah.
3: Yes. I like, I like Don, Glen, Donegal because he's just got a, such, a, such a brilliant name. Yeah. Glenville Donegal, first name, some sort of nightclub, second name in Irish backwater. It's just a, it's a
4: brilliant... Well, there's something impressive about college. a guy whose name gets ne- never gets shortened to just Glen.
3: Yes. It's Glenville. But yeah, there's some really good list of nondescript and obscure cobbler's players there and most of them I've literally never heard of so that's um, well done listeners and readers. We'll, we'll, go, we'll come back to that. We've probably got a few hundred more to go through. Um, <laughs> We're going to wrap up now with uh, just a, a, a quick chat about Saturday. We're playing Cardiff City in the League Cup or Carabao Cup. But the drink that no one's ever drunk. Um, And it's going to be a tough game but you know, I previewed it with Gabriel earlier on, and I'm just going to we'll have a little chat about ties with Cardiff over the years because we have played them quite a lot, and especially you know, in the playoffs back in the day. So we've had some good tussles with Cardiff. So we'll just go around the group and we'll just talk about our standout games with Cardiff. Um, we'll go with you first, Andy. Do you remember any games, uh, Cobblers with Cardiff over the years? Well, again,
4: no, but I know that I was there at a couple if that makes sense that that famous yeah. game in uh, christmas in 86 um the one with all the um you know the queues down abington avenue and whatnot i went to that game yeah. with with me, with my dad in the, in that temporary stand um you know sort of that was built on the edge of the bowling green um, to yeah. cope with it with, with the demand
3: i remember i've seen photos of the cardiff game down abington avenue and the, in the the, the big crowds, uh, I can't remember exactly what the gate was, but I remember the first half goals being at the
4: hotel end. Mm. Um, but I don't, you know, I know those pictures, but I
3: don't remember queuing like that. Do you know what I mean? It's one of them. Yeah, it's a good, sh- d- definitely a good shout. And uh, it's, it was a big game in that season. um Martin, you've seen Cobbys play. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean Andy. Andy's game. Um, right, well, my big memory of that game. Other than what I've seen on on YouTube, you can watch the goals again, which, uh, anything '86, '87 is worth watching. Uh, my big memory of that was uh, as I walked up from Prop and got the bus into the Eastern District, So walking up Abington Avenue, past Spy and Cot, was masses of Cardiff fans queuing to get into the into the Spy and Cot. Mm. And one lad, and, uh, of all the ridiculous things around, I remember he had a tash. But he was sat there, and his hands were covered in blood. I think he'd been glassed, or he tried to glass wow. something. It had gone wrong. But he, was of, but we just sat there, kind of trying to sort it out, and probably would have got in, was going to get into the game, and uh, the the sending off in that game as well. Um, the keeper, Graham had played in the um, the cup final for Brighton a couple of years previous. But my one with Cardiff would always be the playoff second leg. Um so I hadn't gone gone down to Ninian Park and seen the wonderful Gabriadini goal and the, the terrifying atmosphere. But we, we got there and it was cobblers were were absolutely at it. You know, a bit like the that kind of the way they upped their game after the playoff first leg um this time around. They they were really, really on at Cardiff with with the lead, but weren't sitting back. They went for it, and it was it was a 3-2 win, punctuated a horrendous foul by their centre half Jeff Eckhart on um, Neil Grayson. Where I think I might have mentioned before, I still swear to this day, and it's on YouTube, and you can check. But Uriah Rennie had the red card out before Grayson hit the ground because it was such like a, a horrible scythe down when you when a centre half's been beaten. And then there was the bit where Cardiff were clearly beaten. I think they were 3 1 down the night, 4 1 down in aggregate. So half their fans left um, before <laughs> they got a late one, which I think may even have been Josh Lowe. I could be wrong on that. It might have been Josh Lowe that scored it. Um, but then you looked up the um, the county, up uh, there, sort of the county, uh, up from Six Fields, up on the hill. And it was always described being, being a bit like the film Zulu Dawn, with just loads <laughs> of people <laughs> waiting. <laughs> And I yeah. fear they were up to no good. Yeah, they they, they definitely <laughs> were.
3: It kicks off big time on the hill. And this this is where we bring it in, isn't this where you uh, have to run into the Sydney World? Ian, in
5: this game. Well, yeah, but thing is I was I wasn't actually running from the Cardiff firm. I was I was once a cobbler, always a cobbler. I wanted to go to City World to watch Batman and Robin to see Chris O'Donnell in action. So
4: Oh <laughs> mate, was, just wrap it around. <laughs> <laughs>
3: The problem with this, Ian, is you've told us on the previous show that you uh, you basically cacked it because of such a riot going on and you ran into the cinema for safety. But you might uh, have watched so, that, to be fair.
5: You know, um, you know, like, hooligan firms, they always kind of give these these things legendary status. Because, like, I, I heard years later, they, they referred to that as the Battle of the Hill. You know, like... Yeah, I've heard. like... Yeah, like I mean, you could call it a battle, I suppose. It was it was a load of Cardiff, lads, like you say. They did come straight up that hill when they knew they lost the game. Um, there was a load of cobblers, well, you know, just a load of people looking for a fight who seemed to know that that's where they were going to go, and a load of riot police as well. But it was weird because you could kind of – if you, you know like this thing about hooligans on the whole, if you want to avoid it, you can, and they know who's a hooligan and who isn't. And the police are the same. Like the police can usually judge a situation and go right, yeah, they've they've come for a fight. And it, it 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 was for a little while, kind of like that. You know what I mean? It was like you could almost like just walk through the middle of it. And that, I looked to oh, it's just some teenagers watching the game. You know what I mean? But then when they started charging, I thought, yeah, best
3: get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, watching Batman, is that your memory, Ian, uh, uh, you know, of the Cardiff games, or have you got another one? Yeah,
5: yeah that, that is, I mean, my only other real memory of Cardiff was, it wasn't actually watching the Cobblers, I went along with my wife to watch Coventry at, at Ninian Park, and she had a Coventry shirt on, and I thought, this is great, I'm going to get killed for, for supporting a team I don't even support, and then, <laughs> And it was it was it was not it was the beginning of the season, it was August. And um there's all these Welsh lads, they they, they really did look like goldy looking chain. They were all wearing like basketball vests and stuff, and they were playing like Doc Dr. Dre um, at half-time in, in the build-up to the game. And um I think Coventry went one-nil up and um, Cardiff had a penalty in the in the dying moment. So obviously they were all in their feet waiting for it. And it was I think Darren Purse took it and he hit the bar and like the final whistle went. And all these, all these Cardiff lads, they were just like, honestly, they were going berserk. I thought, here we go again. And obviously, Cardiff's quite a cosmopolitan city, isn't it? But Ninian Park is, is on the edge of that bit. You know, it's kind of like where the equivalent, I suppose, where the county ground was to Northampton, you know. So, like, the closer I got to sort of, when we were walking away from the ground afterwards, the closer I got to um, sort of where all the tourists and the students were, but, you know,
0: they were all in
5: town for the Six Nations. That
3: way you can safe or felt, because I thought, I just need to get out of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Every piece. Mine was from Ninian, Ninian Park as well, actually. And it was the precursor to mine's suggestion that uh semi-final in the playoffs, 97, I think it was. That was uh, Ninian Park, the first leg. Cobblers only got a limited amount of tickets. I think maybe under a thousand. wasn't many. And I managed to get a ticket luckily. And, it was just a, a classic sort of intimidating atmosphere. You had to get like um, an escort into the ground and the ground in Indian Park is completely different to their new ground. It's, um, it's a proper old school football ground and the away end was mm. open and it just rained. It rained and rained and rained and uh, Mark Cooper got sent off within first 10 minutes or something. And we just thought, here we go, you know, a red card, first 10 minutes of a playoff semi is really not what you want. But they just sort of held it together. And then. My history had it. Sean Parrish, the Welshman himself, picked up the ball. He always tells the story himself. And every, times he, every time he talks about it, he gets further and further out when he got the ball. But he gets the ball, he surges <laughs> forwards, and he, he chips the keeper. And, he, you know, Co said that he, he shinned it or whatever. And some people said he shinned it, but it don't really matter. He chipped the keeper from quite a long way out. And the Cobbers fans just went mad on this terrace. I trusted my ankle on the terrace. I remember just really hurting. But it was just one of those ones where you don't feel the pain because you're just sort of elated and Cobblers managed to see it out 1-1-0 one, one, Cobblers won't really celebrate on the pitch but they were sort of quite buoyant and afterwards we had to get back to the coach and it were it weren't fun the Cardiff fans were unhappy at all it was a very very tasty atmosphere but um there was a claret
4: and yellow the combination that day wasn't it yellow shorts
3: yeah 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 I think it was actually
4: I just love that. I love that combination.
3: Yeah, Ninian Park was such a, a great old school ground, a really great atmosphere. The Cardiff fans were yeah. in full voice for most of it until you know we we, we went to to win the game and stuff. But just for proper old school vibe, Ninian Park was hard to beat. And um, sort of going into this weekend's game, it's going to be a weird one with no fans there. And um, League Cup game, they're obviously a really strong outfit, and we haven't really got you know on paper we should lose, but you never know. So. Let's have a let's have a couple of predictions, it, bearing in mind that
0: it,
3: it, it finishes on the day, so it just goes to penalties if we if we're drawing at full time. So let's have a couple of predictions from you guys for the the score on Saturday, Cardiff. Um, we'll start with we'll go with you, Ian Fass. Actually, how do you reckon it's going to play out? What scoreline do we go with? I think,
5: as I am Mr. Optimistic, I think they'll beat us two um, 0 yep. Will it be as weird as when the Redbirds of Cardiff played Coventry there in a pretty much empty stadium in front of a deserted West Stand, that was like a complete building site at the time? <laughs> Talk about fixed <laughs> football. Lad. Everything that's wrong with modern football. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to go. I'm going to go two one well, actually because I've I looked at the team news to Cardiff and they've got quite a few players out so it wouldn't surprise me if we do get a goal but just look at their squad strength with the players and even, even though they've they've got a few missing they can have a lot of experience on that pitch and just worry for experience for us so I'm going to go 2-1 to Cardiff Mane um, what do you reckon?
1: Um, I think it's more of a lottery than we'd think I, believe, uh, Car- I don't think Cardiff have had great preparation for the season from just bits I've read we're finding our way as well. A lot of new players in, but at least not in the way that it was after we'd gone up under Wilder. He looks like players that we want. I'd say as as it's going to be a bit of a lottery, I'm going to stick my neck on the line more out of my heart than my head. And we've tended to have Cardiff's number over the years historically, which I know has no predictive power at all, but we, we tend to beat them in all the big games. I don't know, 2-1 to us. Fair play. And let's
3: face it, we are quite good in the League Cup. We've sprung a few surprises on quite a lot of teams. so. We're good in the okay. League Cup,
1: and Cardiff yeah. always do badly against us.
3: Yeah, we'll uh, we'll just um, hope for a bit of a, a shock, really. Uh, Andy, what, how do you reckon it's going to play out?
4: Yeah, I mean the um, the head says one thing, the heart just says, um, yeah, we'll, we'll probably win four 0 Nice.
3: Yeah, I think we should always go over heart on this one. Just where's J- where's Jake when you need him, <laughs> Mister he Production? He's got his missus around and they're looking at his poster collection of Nathan Abbey, so we'll be doing that for quite some time. I'll get. <laughs> oh, he's got an extensive collection. It's a bit like you know, Alan Partridge's crazy fan Jed. That room, Jake's got a room in his house. Of pictures of Nathan Abbey in a mask, so she's gonna have to just accept that. Yeah. We, we've all accepted it.
4: The, so, the, the, Jed, the Jed Maxwell room,
3: yeah, you're, you're a mentalist, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I'll speak to J- Jake tomorrow and get his predictions off him and Jefferson, another splitter. You know, we're gonna him out just, what,
4: what, what Jake it. says after his yeah. for the playoff <laughs> final, basically.
3: <laughs> but, yeah, but listen, guys, we've we've been cracking on for quite a long time now we're gonna call it a night but you know we'll see how it gets on and then just for the listeners the league proper starts the week after the Wimbledon so uh, it's all rolled around pretty quickly and no doubt they'll make a couple of signings before this is sort of aired just to make a mockery of this but we'll we'll see how it gets on I'm I'm off now to listen to watch um, Batman with Chris O'Donnell it's not many films with the next cobblers player is uh, in it, so just get that on Netflix. <laughs> and I'll speak to you all later, guys. You t- you take it easy. Cheers. Cheers, mate. Cheers all. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Bye. 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 See ya bye, ciao.